Welcome to this marketing edition of B2B Nation, part of the Technology Advice Podcast Network. Today on the show, we have Melinda Wilkinson, the Chief Marketing Officer at Sales Fusion. Thanks for joining the B2B Nation, Melinda. Thanks, Josh. It's great to be here. Yeah, excited. We, we have a really great conversation today, a little bit deeper into, into the marketing funnel than we usually go, so I'm certainly very excited uh, on my end. So uh, just wondering if we could start off the conversation with a brief description of your background, as well as your elevator pitch for Sales Fusion. Yeah, great. So I'm actually relatively new to Sales Fusion. Uh, I, before this, I was at larger enterprise uh, software companies where I led marketing and, and have had the experience with pretty much every marketing automation platform out there. Um, and so this was my first time to move over into the marketing uh, technology space. And so I found it very interesting because now I am talking about a subject that's near and dear to my heart, uh, but also realize that I, while it's fun to market to marketers, I, uh, I think that marketers can be cynical. So it definitely adds a little bit of complexity um, doing that. Huh. Well, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts. I mean, why do you think there is a cynicism around B2B marketing and, and what is causing it? You know, in, in my prior life, when I was marketing to, you know, for enterprise software, and I was many times talking to, uh, you know, supply chain executives and, and business executives, but not necessarily people in the marketing space ever. And so a lot of the tips and tricks and things that we learn along the way were new to them. They didn't know the tricks that, that marketers can play and, and have sort of in their, uh, their tool belt to, to use to target different companies. And so when you go into the marketing space and you're actually talking to marketers, they obviously are already up on the trends and the latest practices, and so it's not new to them anymore. And so um, you just have to find a way to be authentic uh, when you're talking to marketers. Gotcha. And uh, that, that is so true. And I think that that lends itself well to uh, the first sort of tenant of our conversation. And that is to sort of just zoom out for a little bit here and get a 10,000 foot perspective. Why is it important to, to give buyers the right experience? And, and how does sort of how does marketing automation fit into that uh, experience? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, buyers want you to know them. They want you to understand what their problems are and want you to empathize with them uh, and have a solution to, to solve those problems for them. Uh, you know, they have this expectation that you'll provide them with information that helps them have an informed buying decision, um, while also, though, letting them feel like they're in control of the conversation and, and the process. Um, you know, I went to an event this week, and there was a, a speaker there, Joseph Jaffe, who has a, a strong background in, in marketing, uh, and he had a quote that was, people love to buy, but they hate to be sold to. And um, basically, I just think that solution providers have to remember to not be pushy. Instead, they need to remember to engage in a long-term uh, conversation, really, that, that buyers today want them to cultivate that relationship with them. Um, and marketers need to make sure that they're delivering a personalized and customized uh, message so that they can speak to the needs of each of the buyers and not make it really a cookie-cutter approach. And, and really to understand where they are in that appropriate way to engage with them and the type of, of content that would be important to them. I'm sure, you know, now with the tools that we have and, and things like marketing automation, you know, you're able to track all their different interactions, whether it be digitally on the web or even live events that can get tracked in, the, in, in marketing automation. Uh, and, and so because of this, I think it's important that, uh, you know, you make sure you use that information to, to speak to the buyer. Um, and, and taking that a step further, uh, there's, there's a need, too, to connect sales and marketing together. Um, so that, you know, once marketing sort of done their job and gotten a lead to the point that it's ready to be handed off to sales, 
that sales needs to have that insight into what were the types of conversations that were had. Uh, you know, what's relevant to that buyer so that they can make sure that they understand um, the interactions that they've had so that they approach them um, with what's most relevant to them. Hmm. One of the things you mentioned that is incredibly interesting to me is you mentioned don't be pushy and you really want to, you know, interact with people and give them content that, that they're interested in and, and not, you're, you're so right, not sell to them and, and be over the top and be obnoxious because I think we've all sort of subscribed to a company like that where it's just like, oh my God, stop, please. Like, I don't want to buy your t-shirts. Leave me alone. Um, but I mean, how do you, how do you find out where that line is? I mean, is there sort of, I guess, a best practice template somewhere or is it just sort of uh, testing on your own and sort of getting a feel for uh, what you think the customer uh, would want from their perspective? Yeah, I think it is to try to put yourself in the buyer's shoes and understand how how that person would want to be treated and interacted with. Um, you know, I, I went to a training years ago, and uh, and the trainer had a great analogy. He compared this lead gen and sales process to dating, and basically he was saying you've got to sort of progress that relationship. And you wouldn't, you know, the first time you met a woman, you wouldn't go out and ask her to marry you that first night. You've got to wine and dine her and get to know her a little bit. Uh, and that's the same with your buyer. You can't ask them to, to take that next step and, and make a commitment to you um, before you've gotten a chance to get to know each other in a way that's not too aggressive. So we'll sort of uh, move the conversation just a little bit into the customer journey and obviously the entire spectrum with which you're interacting with a, a customer. So should more time and money be spent on those further down the funnel or do you think um, you need to allocate your time and your money throughout the entire journey? Yeah, so I would say that, you know, obviously each business is different and, and probably has uh, its own approach that it would need to take based on, um, you know, this, what they're selling and what that buying process looks like. Um, but I would say, you know, while the top of the funnel activities are really important for the reaching and engaging and, and informing potential buyers um, and, and to pull those people into your funnel, um, it, it's also important that you have a really coordinated effort around how you're going to um, engage with them throughout that entire process. So especially if you look at companies that have really long sales cycles, uh, it's really important to make sure that you continue to nurture them throughout that entire process. You know, I've been at companies before that we've had 12 to 18 months was our average uh, sales cycle. So when you've got a, a situation like that, it's definitely important that you've got a coordinated effort between both marketing and sales. So even though you know marketing has um, you know thrown that lead over to sales, they can't just throw it over and, and forget about it because at some point, can automate that process and help sales out, uh, you know, even when things are further down the funnel. What's sort of the best way to get the right people into your funnel that you want there? I mean, is it just uh, practicing within different areas of content marketing and just trying to figure out, you know, what works best for getting those those highly qualified leads into your funnel and then obviously into a, a marketing automation system? What are your experiences? What are your sort of best practices for finding those right prospects that you want to get into your funnel? Yeah, so I think the, the very first step actually is uh, identifying who your perfect target is. So understanding what the profile of them is, so the size of the company, the industry, um, you know, geographies that you're going to go after as well as understand what your sales targets are for the year and matching up your activities to make sure that you're um, going to be providing the right volume of qualified leads to, to meet those goals. Um, you know, we actually back into our number uh, based on our sales goals. We look at our conversion rates that we have at each stage of the funnel so that we understand sort of what's that volume at the very top that we're going to need to bring in. And, you know, I would say at that point, too, it's really, um, you know, not putting too much emphasis actually on inbound marketing. 
So, um, you know, I think in the past couple of years, really, that's been all the rage is just inbound, inbound. But really what I've found is you need a healthy mix of both inbound and outbound uh, tactics, really, to, to be effective at generating the leads that you're going to need. Um, you know, here an example for you is I just, I, I, I think we're all inundated right now with email um, and really overexposed to, to anything in the digital space, but you don't really get very much interesting mail these days. And so um, I've actually in the past, um, past couple of campaigns that we've done, we've had great success using physical, three-dimensional direct mail that we send to our prospects. Um, you know, and you, you actually get much greater conversion rates. So, you know, we're looking at 15 to 20% of who we're targeting with direct mail, we actually turn into an opportunity. Um, you know, and so I just think that the, so much emphasis has just been put on the digital world, which is important. You've got to have the right, the right mix and do both. Um, but taking a look at some of the other things that, that sort of have fallen off what was the popular thing to do um, and, and bringing those back in to help yourself stand out and, and be different. Uh, but at the same time, I was just going to add, I think whether it's inbound or outbound, you've got to have great content. So um, it's got to be something that's relevant and interesting to get them to engage with you, whether you're talking to them through you know, social media uh, and different content syndication type of things, or if you're doing direct mail, you've got to have a, something that's a compelling offer to get them to engage with you. I think that right now marketing is, and everything really is cyclical. So um, we sort of have gone back to you know direct mail. And I mean, even what we're doing right now, we're doing a podcast, which is essentially radio. So I mean, we, we are, are sort of going back in, in a circle here. And I love, I love that, that direct mail example because that is such an interesting and engaging way. And you're so right because no one is really doing it. So um, I'm really, really glad yeah. that, that you mentioned that. There's just so much noise out there, um, you know, through, through all the different electronic options that you have available mm -hmm. to you. And so it's just one different way that to, to yeah. stand out from the crowd. Can you automate a direct mail campaign? Absolutely. <laughs> really? Can. Okay. So, huh. So, uh, so what I, you know, it's, there's a number of different ways that you would do it, but ultimately, you know, we are a digital world, and so any type of direct mail that we do is going to point back to a digital asset of some sort. So, in many cases, um, you know, we've even used personalized URLs, and we're able to use our own marketing automation to set up those personalized URLs. Meaning, you know, if I um, if I were to send you something, it would be, you know. Your, your call to action would be to visit www.salesfusion.com slash Josh. And so you would get that in your direct mail. Um, so that way we would know exactly when Josh visited the, the site and downloaded the content. Um, you know, and, and I'd say less sophisticated marketers can still take advantage, even if you don't go so far as to use pearls, even if you just have a landing page, uh, you make your offer compelling enough that you're going to capture um, you know, capture the, their engagement there when they go to download the, the relevant and compelling content that was of interest to them. What's the, we'll transition a little bit in, into more marketing automation and some of the specifics um, within that category. So what's the best way to accurately score a lead? I know that there right now is a bunch of sort of different formulas. You know, if, if you go to this landing page, you get 10 points. And I mean, is yeah. that sort of a, a standard formula or, or do you think that uh, different companies score leads differently and and give value to different uh, conversions, essentially. 
Yeah, so ultimately, I think it is different for every company. So if you have the history to tell you, uh, you know, the different actions and activities that a lead took that eventually converted to an opportunity and even a, a closed one uh, new customer, um, I think that you're, you can make better decisions about how to score different activities. But I also think a lot of people don't have that history to know. So, you know, we encourage people, and we actually have sort of some of those, um, you know, set templates of suggestions of how you can set up lead scoring for those that don't have the history. And really, that's just a way to get started with lead scoring. And then as you progress and understand how things are moving through the sales cycle and how those go, you can tweak it and make changes. It's definitely not a set it and forget it. Uh, you definitely, you know, have to keep reevaluating it to determine if it's what's best for your business. Uh, the other piece I'd say too is lots of times we even change the threshold of what is, you know, what score is high enough to then go over to the sales team. Um, if they're way too busy, we're going to turn that, you know, turn it up to where the, a lead has to reach an even higher score to be engaged with with sales if they don't have the bandwidth to uh, to handle those at that time. Is it as simple as basically just uh, once you're you're customer your lead reaches a score of 100, for example, um, then it triggers something in a CRM. So, I mean, I guess, how, how would the CRM fit into the, this equation? Or would this be a automatic e email? Or how, how would that trigger sort of work to the sales team? Because obviously, we've been talking about the alignment of the two. Um, but yeah, how, how would that look from, from the sales perspective? Absolutely. So I think really for the, for the process to be seamless, uh, you know, to the prospect and also the most efficient, you've got to have the integration between your marketing automation and your CRM. So by doing that, it, it does actually trigger it. So in our case, we have a, a lead score that when that happens, it, it, it moves the lead to a stage of marketing qualified lead. And at that point, it's sent over to the CRM and put into their queue for follow-up. Um, and, and we do, but, you know, our salespeople get both alerts um, through email just to let them know it's, it's there and come over. They have different, um, you know, workflows within the CRM to give them their working cues of, of the different leads that they need to follow up with. Um, but, yeah, you've actually got to have that, that integration, too, because it also happens where it's reversed and things that go over to the sales team sometimes need to go back over to marketing, that it's not truly sales sales ready yet and they're, they're not ready to, to pursue it any further um, but yet it's still a good person that you want to continue to nurture. Um, we have it set up so inside the CRM that our sales reps can, can put a lead back into a marketing nurture and that information goes back to the marketing automation platform. And that's usually uh, sort of, I guess, a conversation would be the impetus for putting them back. So you would call someone and say, hey, we have, would you like to, you know, buy our software? And then they would essentially say, maybe we're not quite ready. Give us a few months and we'll reconsider. And then that's when they would put them back in. Is that sort of how, how that process would work? That's exactly right. And a lot of the nurture campaigns that we have set up in that case, like a remarket like that, they're still personalized. So it's actually um, an automated process, but it still looks like it's a personal note coming from that salesperson. So it's just a way to take it off their plate of having to remember to check in regularly with them um, or to continue to provide relevant information. You know, the best thing that you can do to build these relationships is be a source of, of good thought leadership and tips and tricks that are going to help the prospects do their jobs better. So we, um, a lot of our nurture campaigns are set up that, that while it's an automated process, um, to, to the prospect it appears to be a, a personal note. Hmm. 
Very, very interesting. And um, we'll, we'll now talk about something that's been mentioned multiple times. So uh, the alignment of sales and marketing. And I think I saw in your blog, 31,200,000 results of sales and marketing alignment. So uh, there's obviously a lot of people searching for this. So I, I think it's a, a great topic for us to move into right now. Um, so uh, how much input should sales have um, in determining who marketing is targeting I mean yeah how should basically sales tell marketing you know these are the customers that are converting the best this is who we want um, or should it be more of a conversation or yeah what are your thoughts I think it definitely needs to be a conversation so you know marketing and sales they need to work together and define what that target audience is um, so that they agree that these are the right people we should be going after um, and if you don't have that agreement you're gonna have a um, I'll call it a, a tense relationship between sales and marketing um, where sales really thinks that marketing just sends them garbage. Um, and, and so, you know, you want to make sure that you all agree that this is what a good lead looks like um, so that so that there isn't that disagreement. Gotcha. And that makes a lot of sense. And obviously, you need to continue iterating um, further. I mean, are there uh, sort of proven tactics that you've seen or that you've worked with to just figure out, you know, how to continue to make this alignment as efficient and responsive to the needs of both departments as possible? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest thing really is communication. So, you know, if I look at, at even past roles that I've been in, and I've, I've walked into some situations where marketing and sales were not getting along, um, and there was a lot of finger pointing going along, going on. And that's, you know, unfortunately very common in the sales and marketing world to have that happen. And so the biggest thing that there can be is, is great communication. Um, if you all agree to who you're targeting, and then sit down on, we do it on a monthly basis here. You, you could do it more often, or in some cases it might be on a quarterly basis, but where you review the activities that marketing is doing, the type of campaigns that they're running, and then the results from those campaigns. So understanding the, the type of traffic that's being driven. Um, and then also doing opportunity analysis. So we look at every opportunity that's generated, um, and we understand what campaigns drove that, what campaigns influenced it, and in many cases, it's just sharing those reports with sales for them to realize, oh, yeah, that, that big deal I just closed last month, that's because marketing did this, this, and this. And so it's just really easy for sales to forget uh, all that work that marketing does in the beginning to get it to a point that sales is able to close the big deal. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you so much, Melinda, for joining me today and sharing your thoughts on marketing automation and sales fusion. And this has been a very, very great conversation. So thank you again for joining me. Glad to do it. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Also, thank you so much to our listeners for following along. If you're trying to find the right technology for your business, we've done the research so you don't have to. Check out our website, technologyadvice.com. Thanks for listening.